So good morning, everybody. Happy Good Friday. I don't know about you, but uh, when I was a, a brand new Christian and I heard someone at church say to me, Happy Good Friday. I thought that was the most crazy statement anyone could ever say. Happy Good Friday. With this nice little Christian smile and this kind of Sunday morning mask that we put on when we greet each other. Just Happy Good Friday. And I'm sitting there going, I've I've kind of, I've read this. And, and there doesn't seem to be anything happy about this. In fact, just this morning, uh, I got up pretty early this morning. I don't know why. It was like, yay, church is a little bit later today. I can sleep in. And I was up earlier than I normally am. So I make myself a cup of decaf coffee. And I sit down in my comfy chair by my this big bay window I have in my sitting room. And, I make, and, and I'm sitting there, and I open up my cell phone, and I read my YouVersion Bible app. Um, and then I start watching YouTube video clips of the crucifixion of Jesus. And I literally begin to ugly cry into my decaf coffee. And in a moment of compassion, and I don't know where this compassion came from, but my cat saw my tears and came and sat on me and comforted me. Like, wow, first time ever that this cat brings comfort. So maybe there's hope. Okay. And, and I'm sitting there, and the weight of the crucifixion, that God so loved the world, that God so loved you, that the Son of God would go through the most horrific death imaginable. You see, Roman crucifixion was so cruel and so horrific, they actually stopped doing it. Because they considered it to be an inhumane way to die. And, and so we see these things. And so what is it about that day that is good about it? Because nothing feels all that good about it to me personally. Until I read this tiny little verse in Matthew chapter 27. In verse 51, and, and it was just where Dorothy just read this for us, where it says, at that moment. So what moment is this? At that moment. It's at the moment when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice and he gave up his spirit. I mean, Jesus dies on this cross. At that moment when Jesus cried, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, the Jewish people worshipped God in a temple in Jerusalem. And in this temple was a back room. There was a room called the Holy of Holies. And in this room was the Ark of the Covenant. In this room was the full presence and the glory of God. And they had a curtain blocking off the glory of God. Because the glory of God is just too good. It's just too amazing. It's just too holy. It's just too perfect. You and I... As regular, ordinary people have no right, no right in our sin to come into the full glory and the full presence of God. And so it was kept guarded from people. 
and they tried, the Jewish people had all these rules and these commandments and 613 different rules that they forced everybody to live. And they knew deep down inside, I can't keep these rules. You know, maybe a few people were pretty close to keeping some of them, but then they started to develop a spiritual pride in their own lives, going, look how amazing I am. Look how holy I am. Look how great and close to God I am. You should be like me. And made the people who couldn't live up to their standards feel horrible. Feel like they were no good. To feel like God didn't love them. This was this entire religious system that the Jewish people lived in. And then Jesus comes. And he teaches them about the ways of God. He teaches them that the kingdom of God is not some faraway thing. That the kingdom of God is not something that's kept really, really distant and it's only for a select few. If you're good enough. If you can keep all the rules, if you can keep all the traditions, if you can keep all the commandments, then maybe God will come close to you. Jesus actually said that the kingdom of God is here right now, right here with you. And this curtain that was in the temple that kept this glory of God away from humanity is torn from top to bottom. And what that meant was that the full presence of the glory of God is available for every single man, woman, boy, and girl. Regardless of the rules, regardless of the traditions, regardless as if you obey or don't obey. What it comes down to, it's not about rule keeping, it's about a heart that is changed by God. That the Son of God died so that you and I could be made whole. See, this is one of these challenging things, I think, that in this culture that we live in today, where this idea that God must punish sin. Like, maybe just show of hands, how many of you love to be punished? I don't see any hands going up. And if you're joining us online and you love to be punished, please just put that in the chat. Okay? We don't love to be punished. How many of you love punishing people? Now, if you raise your hand on this, we might have to set up an appointment to talk. Okay? I hate it. I hate it. When my kids were little and we had to punish the kids, and, and I get it, it's not a fun part of parenting. And kids, I know it's not a fun part when it happens to you. I get it, right? My kids are adults now, so I'm like, oh, thank goodness I got through this. Okay, but I remember the first time I had to punish my my firstborn and I punished him and I'm trying to be all firm and tough and manly that I know what I'm doing. And I punished him and I took away his Legos and I sent him to his room and all that. And then I went up into my room and I cried. I felt so bad. I broke his little heart. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, he's going to hate me forever. And he's going to have to go on the Oprah show and talk about all of his issues. (laughs) See, we don't like punishment. We hate to receive it, and deep down in us, there's something that we just don't like to do it either. And I think the reason for that is because we are imperfect people. And our punishment has a way of being imperfect to one another. But the Bible teaches us that sin 
has to be punished. See, and, and again, and culturally we're struggling with this idea that I'm good, everyone's good, There's, it's all good. But I think deep, 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 deep down, we know there's something off. We know there's something wrong. And in God's holiness, sin must be punished. We read about this again and again and again all throughout our entire Bible. We can see in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for it says, For the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? It means when you and I sin, and we all do, whether it's a little lie, whether it's kind of being dishonest, whether it's kind of some bad thoughts, all of these things, we all sin. And the wages, what that means is the price. It's, the, it's the, what you have to pay. So if you sin, there's a wage. There's a payment there. And what is it? Oh, death. That's lovely. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Again, sin has to be dealt with. How is it dealt with? Romans, 9, uh, Romans 6 tells us it's dealt with death. What happens in death? There's shedding of blood. I remember years ago when I was a teenager, my uncle, my aunt and uncle owned a farm uh, just outside of Sudbury. They owned a rabbit farm. Now, I was a city kid. Okay, I grew up in the city and in the suburbs. I'd never been to a farm before. I was maybe about 12 or 13 years old, and we went to the rabbit farm. And the first couple of years when I would go there during the summer, my job was to work the field. So I got to learn how to drive a tractor and drive all these big trucks, and it was really amazing. And I dug up the lettuce that was used to feed the rabbits. And that was a great summer job. And then when I got a little bit older, my uncle kind of says, okay, Kevin, you're a man now. You can come work in the barn. And I watched them kill cute, fluffy little bunnies. And the blood and the screaming and all the horrible noise. And I started to cry again. I cry a lot. In case you didn't kind of figure this out already about me, I'm a, I, I cry a lot. I cry in Kleenex commercials, okay? I cried when Yoda died. He's a puppet. Why are you crying? Okay? But this is it. There's this shedding of the blood. And when you see shedding of blood, it's not clean. It's not pretty. It's not a fun sight. But the Bible teaches us without that shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. You know, we read in Isaiah chapter 53 when it talks about this coming Messiah who's going to come, this king who's going to restore the people of God, that he was pierced for our transgressions. He's crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we're healed. When it talks about healing here, it's talking about the fullness, the wholeness of humanity. Your heart, your mind, your soul. That you have been made right with God. This curse on humanity has been dealt with by his wounds. You are made whole. You are made complete. Right? And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, God made him, being Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
see, that's why today is good. That's why this Friday, when we celebrate, it seems so weird. I talk about this with my non-Christian friends. I'm like, dude, you, you are celebrating an execution. And I go, yeah, I am. And it can feel a little heavy when you sing about these songs. It can feel a little bit heavy when you read this text. It can feel a little bit like, oh, my goodness, what is wrong with Christians that we celebrate an execution of a criminal? Well, it's because we as Christians know the actual story, that he's not a criminal, that he's God in flesh, and that he came to take away the sin of the world. And in that moment of his death, the full glory of God became available to you, to me, to everybody. And that's why as Christians, we celebrate communion. Hopefully when you came in this morning, you grabbed a little communion cup. If, if you didn't, maybe just kind of wave your hand and our ushers can uh, help you out and make sure you get one of those. Um, but this is the point of communion. The point of communion is to take a moment to reflect and remember on the death of Jesus. That his body broken for us is what makes us right with God. Right? His shedding of blood is what purifies the sin that is in me. It's the sin that's in you. The sin that's in the world. The sin, the, the, the scene that made me ugly cry again. And I don't know why I watch this. I watch it every Good Friday. And the like, Kev, why are you turning this video on? You know you're going to ugly cry. It's the scene from the Passion of the Christ when Jesus is carrying his cross through the streets. And he says to his mother Mary, I am making all things new. You see, that's what the death of Jesus is accomplishing in the world is that sin and death and sorrow and pain. It is all being made new. That God loves you so much that he is dealing with this. He's not abandoned us nor forsaken us in this sinful fallen world. He's in the business of changing the world. And he changes it one person at a time. As he comes into their life and makes them new. And so we remember the body of Christ broken for us. We remember the blood of Christ spilled for us. So I'm going to read... This is a very famous passage. We read this all the time when we take communion. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And now normally we start reading in verse 23 where Paul recites the words of Jesus that happened at that last supper on the night before Jesus was arrested and betrayed. But I think it's so crucial to go back a few verses and to kind of really hear, why is Paul teaching this to the church at this moment? Let me just start actually reading here from verse 20. It says, so then, when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. 
See, the Apostle Paul in this moment here is actually reminding the church, um, you've gone off track. You see, you've made church about you. You've made church about what you get from it. You made church about, am I being blessed by this? Oh, when I gather with the right people, am I going to have a really nice meal? Are they going to serve the good wine? And you know what? And I know, okay, we're Christians, and so we're supposed to invite in poor people, but I really don't like poor people. I really don't like people who, who come from a different country than me. I really don't like people who look different than me. I really don't like people who act different than me. And so I'd rather they stay over there while I celebrate over here. And Paul is saying, I'm supposed to um, celebrate you in this? Certainly not. Because the death of Jesus is the great equalizer in the world. (laughs) That every single human being on the planet is sinful before a holy God. All of us, all of us, all of us, all of us. But because of God's incredible love, because of God's incredible mercy, because God so loved you, because God so loved the world, because God so loved everybody, even among all the differences in the world, that he brings us together as a new family because of the death of Jesus, because the veil is torn and the full presence of the glory of God is available to every single one of us. So for me, when I study this, this isn't simply, 1 Corinthians for me isn't simply a text to go, well, I need to check my heart and to, you know, to, before I take communion. No, this is a, I need to check my heart before I take communion. <laughs> Am I living a Christian life where I think church is about me? What I get from it? my blessings or am I sitting there coming into the presence of God in an act of worship to say thank you Jesus for dying for me you see I've got this sin problem and I'm working on it and I'm trying to let the spirit of God work in my life to correct it but I still sin daily daily It just has a way of coming back somehow in this human flesh. But we trust in the spirit of God who's come into us. And so we come into the presence of God. We are reminded of the good news of Good Friday. That I'm not trying to live to please God in my own strength. That it's not because of my actions that God is pleased. It's because of my faith in the one who died for me that God is pleased. So maybe as you reflect this Good Friday, as we take communion, and if you're joining us from home, hopefully you've got some juice and a cracker of bread as well that you can use and participate in. But just take a moment. I'm just going to give us a moment of silence, just a few seconds, to just pray right where you are, to ask God, have I been making this Christian faith thing about me? And what I get from it. Or God, how are you using me to make my life about you? And what you want to do with it. So just take a moment and talk to God.